This morning we're going to take a, a little break from our series, This Beautiful Mess, and we're going to be talking about baptism. I thought it would be a, a good time for us to kind of look at this since we're having the baptism today, and hopefully it'll be something that is helpful to you and good for us all. Before I do, I, I, this just came to mind as we were singing together, there is a psalm that has always come to mind at times of difficulty in my life. It's Psalm 42, verse 5, and the psalm says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I think it's one of these kind of funny things that the psalmist is talking to himself. Hey, why are you so bummed out? Why are you so disturbed? And he's not just asking himself, he's actually singing this. This is a song. And so here's this guy singing, why are you so bummed out? Why are you so disturbed within me? And then he turns and he says, trust in God. There is something that takes place within us when we actually start involving ourselves in this relationship with God. When we actually sing to ourselves, which is what he's doing here, and to the Lord. I know you don't usually think, well, he's singing to himself. That's weird. Who sings to themselves unless they're in a mirror, right? When you were a kid, did you guys ever do that? Okay, let's move on. But that's exactly what he's doing. He's singing to himself. Now, it's not like he's looking at himself, but what he's doing is he's involving his actions to affect his condition. He's singing these words to himself so that he can respond. You ever get in a funk? You ever just get into a place where it is just a gray cloud over your head and there is no sunlight coming through? And you can know that God loves you and you can know that he is faithful, that he's not going to leave you or abandon you. You can have all this cerebral knowledge of what takes place, but man, you still are in that funk. The psalmist sang to himself, involving his actions affects his condition. And I think it's something that we need to recognize that the things we do affect how we live, how we feel, how we conduct ourselves. You know, faith in Jesus at its core is pure, it's simple, it's elegant. In fact, Jesus said that We need to be like little children if we are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. We've been talking about the kingdom of heaven. And there's this idea of simplicity and understanding. And so the the kingdom of heaven and this core faith in Jesus Christ isn't difficult to understand. And unlike Judaism that has hundreds and hundreds of laws that they needed to abide by, 
we only have two sacraments. And the word sacrament is a sacred symbol. It's a sacred symbol that Jesus gave us to help us experience his grace. And I use that word experience intentionally. Not just know about it, but to experience his grace. Just like singing can help us experience the faithfulness of God, these sacraments are meant to help us experience the grace of God. And what happens many times is is with best intentions, we start adding things to our faith because we're trying to protect it. This faith is holy. It is very, very important to us. And we don't want it to be taken for granted. We don't want it to be made little of. And so what we try to do is build up a lot of requirements and things. We want to build a fence, you know, that's going to protect this faith, stay inside the fence. And then when someone can get over it, we just figure, oh, let's build it higher. And we just keep building and building and building the the fence high as we can, trying to add things that'll keep you in line, to keep you close to God. And then we end up being so overwhelmed and burdened, and that's kind of what we get with religion. So much stuff that it actually blurs the simplicity and the power that's in the gospel. Jesus didn't think we needed a lot of things to keep our attention. That these few things are enough because they are powerful. And the gospel is the power of God. And what we do is we minimize the power or don't trust in the power of God to keep and do the work. And so we try and build those fences to try and keep us close to the importance of our faith. And pretty soon we're like the disciples chasing the children away. Leave the master alone. He's busy. We're making our rules and the gospel gets lost because, hey, you got to do this. You got to do this. Have you been through our introductory Bible study 101.A class? Because you need to go through the point A class before you can go to the point 2043 foundational intermediate class. Oh, you want to help out here? Well, you need to fill out this five-page questionnaire. We want to make sure that you can understand. Oh, we need to make sure that our kids don't go to school because they might hear something that's wrong. You know, Jesus had no problem, and the first century church had no problem with their children coming to faith and being used by God, and it wasn't by taking them out of their environment. It was the power of God in their life that transformed them. You think the schools are bad? You got no idea how bad things were in Corinth. I just was at a series on Corinth yesterday, so it's fresh in my mind. You have no idea. Imagine the worst conditions here and then multiply it by a hundred. But they trusted in the power of God to do the work. And we need to do the same thing. Now, these two sacraments, the one is communion, the other is baptism. Communion is something that's pretty easy for us to understand and participate in. We do it once a month here. We're going to do it on the 15th. 
And it's easy because you just participate in it. Baptism is a little different because it's something that happens one time. And you don't participate in it. You are the participant in it. And it, let's face it, it's a little different. You, you, you know, we don't get put underwater very often. You don't go to the DMV and say, hey, congratulations, you passed your driver's test. Come on behind the counter, we're going to put you underwater. You know, it's just something that doesn't happen. And so there isn't this kind of like, what? It's kind of weird. What, what's going on here? And there's more than meets the eye taking place. This is a rite of passage that is connecting us to this movement of Jesus. But many times we don't understand, we don't see things clearly. You know, it's like, have you guys gone into some of these yogurt places? You know, when yogurt, this is how I've always known it. You go into the place and there's the counter that separates you from all the goodness that's behind the counter. Against the wall, there's the various flavors of yogurt. And between you and those flavors of yogurt, there is a person who's hopefully friendly, who is going to allow you to sample those things. But between you and that person, there is another counter of goodness. You have all the candy and the berries and the toppings. But between you and those goodies, there's a glass and there's no way to reach around that glass. This is the yogurt place. But now you go into some yogurt places and there is no counter. The wall is there for your access. And they don't have small, medium, large. They just have jumbo tubs. And in the middle of the room is all the goodness. And, you know, you walk in there and it's kind of, if you've gone in there for the first time, it's like, what's, what's the rules here? I need boundaries. Because you go in there and you go, yes, yes, yes. And you're piling it up. Look at this. This is wonderful. And then they put it on the scale. That would be $25, please. <laughs> You know, because we don't know what's going on. It's new to us and it's fresh. Well, there's, there's something happening in this baptism that is more than meets the eye. There's something that is connecting us to something else that it's real important that we see. And it's something that we are given the choice to do. Just like you have the choice to stop how much yogurt you put in or how much toppings you put on. It's your choice what you're going to do this Baptism involves our freedom and our choice. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Starting at verse 36. This is the first sermon given by Peter. The Holy Spirit has come upon the people. They are feeling the weight and conviction of God. Have you ever been at a place where someone has spoken to you the truths of God and they have just laid on you heavy, like a, a blanket? They're, they're covering you and you can feel the weight of them and you just want to respond. That's what's taking place here. In chapter 2, verse 36, Peter says, Therefore, 
Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will, be, will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The first sermon that's ever given, and we see that baptism shows up as an important part of this movement. It's interesting, the word baptism, because the word baptism isn't a translation, it's a transliteration. And what that means is they they made a word that sounded like the original. The original word was baptismo. And you see, whereas God is translated to God and whereas this, you know, Messiah is translated to Messiah, the word baptism or baptismo was translated, transliterated to, to baptism because they didn't know what to do with it. The word literally means immerse. It, it has to do with consuming. When something is put underneath and it is consumed by all that is around it. But you see, at the time when a lot of the translation was coming out, baptism was being done for children and it was kind of sprinkling the kids. And so the idea, we can't say consume, you know, be consumed because we're sprinkling the kids. And so what's happened is it kind of lost its power and what it was presenting. It was very forceful. It was like a watery grave. Even the illustrations that are given in the New Testament as the children of Israel cross through the Red Sea, the idea of this water being over them, ready to to fall upon them. It was a type of baptism. And so the word has this power to it that has kind of been changed for human tradition. Instead of it being a watery grave, it was just given the word baptism. Well, let's just call it like baptismal. We'll call it baptism. So a word was created, and it began to lose the meaning, I think, of this sacrament. Because Peter's words are very powerful. To repent, be baptized so that we can be saved. And they're meant to be powerful. And I think there's a couple of ways of thinking of baptism. One way is that this act itself is somehow magical. That when you get baptized, it's going to change who you are. It's going to make you a different person. And we think this way many times. Oh, well, I'm just hoping that that, you know, something will happen, that water and that baptism, boom, it's going to change them. Or or maybe you've prayed and and had a time of where prayer becomes similar to that. I remember one time I was trying to start my Volkswagen and it wouldn't start. And so we were trying to jumpstart it. It was a stick. And, And so we started pushing it down the street and we pushed it and we pushed it and we pushed it. 
until we're going to throw up. I mean, it's one of those things. You know, it's just like, <sighs> and then my mom at that time says, well, did you guys pray? You know, and you're just like, you know, okay, we'll pray. And we just prayed, and then boom, the car started. You know, and you're like, oh, wow. So then the next time my car doesn't start, I push it, and I think, oh, I know what I need to do. I just need to pray. And so comes the, okay, God, start the car. Okay, maybe I didn't pray right. Lord, I know you can start the car. Okay. He did it before. Put my hand on the car. Lord, start the car. And it doesn't start. And it's as if my tone or my laying the hands or I could do something that's going to make the car start. I've got this idea, you know, that it's how I say it. It's if I say it forcefully enough. If I, I'm just doing anything to get the car started because I don't want to push it anymore. And so we try and turn what something was done by the, the grace and power of God into something that we could make happen. Poof. Like magic, it's going to do this. And sometimes we think baptism is going to change them. Okay, I'm going to be baptized. I'm a different person now. And whereas the act in and of itself doesn't do anything, what you take into the action and how you see it can change everything. People who are what we would call mature and, and spiritual. When you're talking to someone who you, you see has had a serious and a steady relationship with Christ, and you start talking to them and you say, what has contributed to your condition, why you are where you are? They usually don't say all the, well, I do this, I do this, I do this. It usually goes to moments in time where they say, well, there is a time when my eyes were open and I said, you need to stop acting like a jerk. You need to quit this. I need to get serious. There was a time when God spoke to my heart where the eyes were opened, where I made the decision to change, and they look back to specific moments. I, I can remember specific moments in my life where I was at a conference and I heard someone speaking and there were a couple of things that he said that just shot right through me. It just changed everything. And it was very simple. But it was a monumental difference in the way I thought from then on. It was a time where that moment in time changed everything. It happens in the sport world all the time. You know, these guys practice and practice and practice. They practice their free throws over and over and over again. But all it takes is one change. Someone knocks the ball out of your hands or rejects your shot, and all of a sudden the momentum shifts. All of a sudden, they're in your head. All of a sudden, you're thinking different. And now, those shots that were automatic are a little askew. A little too much spin. What happened? Something changed your perspective and what you saw. And what happens in baptism can be a time where we make a, a decision. A, a moment where we are going to involve ourselves because of what this 
means to us. And it changes how we move forward. Not the act itself, but what the act actually means. When we decide to be baptized because we want to be obedient and identified with Jesus, it can shape our future. Because it is a moment where we are, like we do when we sing, involving ourselves with an action. It's connecting our belief to what we do. It is making a statement not only to those who would see us, but it's making a statement to ourselves. Saying, I really believe this. This is something that is a part of my life. We know that there is a connection between what God does in the invisible and what we do in the visible. That God works through the things that we do. That it is a spiritual work that takes place even though it's a physical action that we involve ourselves in. That it has spiritual and eternal effects. Think of that line of Gladiator. What we do in this world echoes in eternity. Sorry, I keep going to these movie references. I just love that line. The things that we do matter. They matter to us. They don't just matter because I'm supposed to. They don't matter because they magically do something. They matter because we step into a place of obedience, of recognition. We say, I'm going to involve myself in this. And it's important. You know, the early believers didn't know what it was like to be a follower of Jesus and not be baptized. It was just a part of what they did. It was a part of who they were. It was something that they did automatically. Remember Philip when he was with the Ethiopian eunuch on a chariot and he explained to him the gospel and he says, where can I get baptized? And they went then, right then. Now for us, it's difficult. We don't have a place, you know, can't go to the water fountain, fill up something. Couldn't even fill up a tub in the park. We had to find a pool. But it's something that was happening regularly when a person came to faith. Even those who came to faith in Acts right then were baptized. Right then. It's a, okay, we, we need to do this. It's something that we have to do. It was an expected action, a rite of passage. It was an identification with Christ. It was something that connected them to this thing. Now, we all do public declarations. People with bumper stickers for their political candidate. Or their beliefs, go green, you know, go mean, whatever it is. I mean, these bumper stickers, they'll be plastered all over the car and they'll be in your face, some of them. What are they doing? They're declaring their belief. Or, or in sports, 
People buy jerseys for hundreds of dollars with a, a name. They dress like they're on the team, even though they're 50 years old. And they act like, I'm right there, I'm one of them. And they yell and they scream and they make noise in the stands or even in their living room with their jersey on. Why? What are they doing? I'm with the team. No, you're not. You're in the living room. You're a 50-year-old guy. But you see, what they're doing is they're making a declaration. This is what I'm about. This is, I'm connecting with this. I'm getting into it. And they do it with their team. And we're asked to do this with our God. We're asked to do this with our Lord. We're asked to make a declaration, to, to show an involvement, to show a commitment. And we're to show this rite of passage, this identification with Christ in baptism. It's a declaration, not so much of who we are, but of who Jesus is and how we are aligning ourselves with him. You see, that jersey that person wearing isn't saying, yes, I am, you know, LeBron James. What it's saying is, I am a fan of LeBron James. See, baptism, when we go in there, what we're doing is we're saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am wearing his jersey when I go into the water. I am saying, I am connected to him. I am on his team. And it's a public declaration of just that. It's not because we're good enough to be on the team. It's because he is good enough to accept us. And so we have this identification with him. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Let's turn to the right there. Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Paul writes and he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Now let me ask you, when did that happen? When did you die to sin? Do you remember an event? Oh, I remember that day when I died to sin. When did that happen? What, what, what's he talking about here? Let's go on. Verse 3. <laughs> Aren't you going to tell us? <laughs> Verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? When did that happen? It happened when you identified with Jesus and the baptism is that identification. It's a symbol of what took place. When you became a follower of Christ, that is when you died to sin. Verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so Paul is saying, you, you can't go on sinning. Don't you know if you are identified with Christ, then you died to sin as you were baptized, 
You were consumed. You were immersed. There was a watery grave that symbolized your identification to Jesus and living for him. And then you came out in this newness of life. And so this is a recognition and a moment of declaration of what has happened within your life and your belief in Jesus Christ. It's important that we understand these things. They, they are opportunities for us to be involved in this relationship in a very physical way. You know, I, I keep reaching for my wedding ring, but it, it's not there anymore. I had to take it off because of the muscular mass in my fingers that has accumulated. <laughs> I hadn't taken my ring off, and, well, it's the same ring I've had for 27 years, and or 28 years, and Corrine one day said, you know, let me see your ring, oh my gosh. You know, and so we took a while, but we got it off my finger, and then she does Jostin's rings, and so she sized, and my ring was like two sizes too small. You know, and I was wondering why my knuckle was hurting me, because it's about to fall off. <laughs> but the wedding ring is, is my symbol of, hey, I'm married. Wedding vows. What if you were there getting married and then the wife said, you know what, I really don't want to do the ceremony or the vows. Can we still be married? Can he do it by himself? Can he just do the vows and I'll, I'll just be there, you know, when he, I, I'll be home when he's done. It's like, that doesn't work that way. It, it, he's got to say his vows, you've got to say your vows. They show that they're committed to you and you show that they're committed to them. Jesus has shown he was committed to you. He died on a cross. It's our turn to say the vows. It's our turn to show that we identify with him. And that's what baptism does. It's our putting on the ring. It's our saying the vows. And I'm planning to get the ring resized, just so you know. It is our ability to connect to him. You see, there may be no action that has the opportunity to change your life in a new direction more than baptism. This could be your statement. This could be your involvement in this relationship. This could be you putting on the ring. This could be you reciting the vows. This could be you putting on the jersey and saying, I'm rooting for this team. This is my identification with Jesus. This is my opportunity to draw close to him. Turn with me to one more passage, Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, starting at verse 11.
John the Baptist is speaking. And he says, I baptize you with water. Water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning himself, enlighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. An interesting passage here. As John is talking about this baptism of repentance, of of declaration, of recognition that what I need in my life is to, to be forgiven, that I am aware of the condition of my own soul, my own heart. I am aware of the, the darkness within me. And so John's followers were quick to move to follow Jesus because they had already come to a place of recognition of need. And then here comes Jesus. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? He didn't have sin. He wasn't in that condition. And that's why John was like, no. But it was for identification He became sin who knew no sin. He was like us. He he took on the form of man so that he could suffer and die. Why would Jesus need to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness? Why? Because it was obedience. It was the right thing to do. It was the necessary thing to do. Why do we need to be baptized? It is the right thing to do. It is the necessary thing to do. And if I could be so strong and use the word, it is the obedient thing to do. Jesus had no problem identifying with you and with me. It's our turn. It's our opportunity to identify with him as a child of his, as a a choice that I make to embrace this life and following after him to die to sin, to align my life with his, to make an acknowledgement of this is who I am. This is the life I want to live. 
this is who I identify with and who I'm going to be. And that's why it's important to recognize that it's important that it's a choice. Some of you I know were baptized when you were children. You were, they did the water thing on your head. I don't know if I was or not. Was I baptized? No, I wasn't. Okay. Didn't know. I, and that's just it. You don't know. You don't remember. If you were baptized as a kid, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember the water. It was cold. It rolled down my forehead. You don't remember. And, and the whole point is it's supposed to have meaning. And so if you were baptized as a child and it had no meaning, it's time to make an identification and a decision and align yourself and give it meaning. It's not about who baptizes you. It's about the decision you make. It's about the choice that you make to align yourself with Jesus, to identify with his death, with his life, and to say, this is the team I'm on. This is who I am living for. This is where I am going. And the water does nothing magical. It's just H2O and chlorine today. But the decision can be transformational. And so, this is a big deal. I think we have about six people that have signed up to get baptized. It's a big deal. I hope you'll come and join in the celebration, that you'll be a part of this ceremony this right to passage, this identification. And I know that there are some of you here who have not been baptized because I don't want to go underwater. I don't want all these people looking at me. I don't feel comfortable. I understand that. But this is an opportunity for you to... Involve yourself and your life with following Jesus in a way that is obedient, a way that identifies you with him, and this can be a monument in your own soul. This could be one of those moments you look back to and say, on this day, I made this decision, this declaration, and I did this. And it can be a transitional pivoting point in your life moving you forward if you decide it, if you want it to be. And so anyone who has faith in Christ, anyone who wants to be a follower of Jesus is invited to this rite of passage. If that's you, you're invited. You don't need to have any more sign-ups. We don't need to know anything more. We've got the water. There's enough water there. We're going to have enough food to celebrate and enjoy that. The invitation is out. I hope you'll take this invitation seriously. Because it's not coming from me. Peter said it in Acts. 
Paul said it in Romans, declared it. The invitation is from God for you to join in. And this is your right to passage, to be a part of his tribe, his community. And this is that opportunity for you to sign up and say, I'm in. So if you haven't been baptized, I hope this has persuaded you how important it is. Not for God, but for you. And that you will follow in the steps of countless numbers before you who have not only given themselves in baptism, but it has cost them their lives to follow Jesus. You know, it, it's an amazing thing that Jesus has given us opportunity to identify with him. Wouldn't you jump at that? We shouldn't need to, to twist anybody's arm if Jesus says, hey, would you like to be with me? Would you like to be identified with me? Who wouldn't? Why wouldn't we jump at the opportunity to be identified with him? And so if you haven't been baptized, come. The address is there in your bulletin, 230 that's going to give us time to clean up, set up. That'll give you time to go home and get a towel, get a change of clothes, and to join us as we celebrate and identify what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. Lord, to think that today can be that day where we made that decision, where we made a directional change in our lives for the better, where we made a conscience decision to identify with you. Lord, you have given your vows, and this is opportunity for us to respond and give ours. That this can be a time where we know that we are obedient to you. You've invited us. You've told us. You are requiring this of us. Not because the water is special, but because this is an opportunity for us to experience your grace in a way like no other. Lord, I pray that this would be a rich time for those who are being baptized, for those, who are, those of us who are coming alongside and, and celebrating with them, acknowledging them. Lord, we're signing that guest book saying, we were there, we saw and affirmed what you did. God, what a great day this is. And I pray, Lord, it would be a powerful time in the lives of those who are, are being baptized, those who are celebrating with them. Lord, bless this time. And I thank you again for your goodness to us, your faithfulness to us, Lord. We love you because... Lord, you first loved us, and we respond to that love even today. In Jesus' name, amen.